They shift him from right to left. Play action to that side. Rolling right, looking. Fires in the end zone. Got a man. Oh, touchdown. That's a tight end from 15 yards out. Welcome to the Bowl Season Stories Podcast, Season 3, Episode 5. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season. And today we are joined by award-winning educator and activist Nicholas Ferroni and current Virginia Tech offensive lineman Parker Clements and Jack Hollifield. If you missed any of our previous episodes, you can catch them on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's show, we'd appreciate you to like, subscribe, and drop a five-star rating. And as always, you can follow all the Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Today's show is brought to you by Sport Radar, reimagining immersive experiences for sports fans and betters. Our first guest is a revered high school teacher who teaches history and cultural studies in his hometown of Union, New Jersey. He's one of the leading and most outspoken voices in education and was named one of the 100 making a difference for his commitment to education reform. He's appeared on The View, Today Show, ABC News, and is currently developing a series to celebrate and honor amazing teachers. Please welcome to the show, Nicholas Ferroni. Nick, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is really, really cool, Nick. And, and having two Nicks on screen. At, at I know, I know. Always <laughs> a good time. <laughs> is it going to get confusing? But if there was a third person, it would be, get, it would be confusing. That's that's true. You We just learned, uh, we just talked earlier, your dad's name's Nick, my dad's name Nick, my son's name Nick. So when we get together, there'll be a lot of us around, uh, which is not a bad thing. Definitely not. A lot of history with that name. Oh, yeah. Well, let's kick things off talking about our mutual work for Extra Yard for Teachers. This week is Extra Yard for Teachers Week. And I know you, you've done some work with them. You spoke at their virtual summit in January of 2022. Can you tell us what that appearance was like and your overall take on that organization? Uh, the college football for uh, college football playoff foundation is, is probably one of the best organizations I've ever worked with. They do such amazing work. Britain who founded it's obviously so passionate about it. His son's an educator as well. Uh, there's, I would say it's, I work with a lot of education organizations, but it's one of the best run and it does the most work for actually not only helping support teachers, celebrate teachers, but also help recruit and retain teachers. And obviously they know what we know is student athletes make amazing educators and a lot of them will turn into coaches or kind of go down that path, but they do so much work. And, and shockingly enough, Nick, it's all run by former educators. And if I would ever start a foundation or a business, I would only hire former teachers because I feel like they're so adaptable and they're so resilient and they're so passionate, but it does so much work. And obviously their partnership with you, it's like you give them such an amazing platform to, to celebrate the educators. And it's like even athletes, like every time you're an athlete, every athlete has a teacher who changed, not only a coach, but a teacher who changed your life. So the CFP kind of an extra yards for teachers is just a great launch to kind of celebrating educators all year round. No question about it. Bowl season is really proud of our association with the College Football Playoff Foundation and the extra yard for teachers. We're going to get back uh, to your role as an educator and uh, in a minute, but I want to go all the way back to your playing days at Rutgers. You played fullback at Rutgers in the early 2000s. Uh, those were uh, the early years. I believe you were a senior, Coach Chiano's first tenure at Rutgers, uh, his first year. While the team did not qualify for a bowl game while you were there, shortly after you left, they wanna, went on a very impressive run of nine bowl games in 10 years. What role do you feel you and your teammates played in building the foundation for that run? I do want to stress, uh, I may have been on the team, but I did not play much. 
but I did have the experience and the the uh, just the the experience of being on a team, being in that environment. And I always feel like it's it's funny because as former athletes, it's like to me, athletics is the best preparer for life. A lot of people will go on things past sports, but my experience, it was a very interesting dynamic uh, playing under Coach Shea and, and and that group. Again, amazing coaches, amazing mentors, but there was just something that was not working. And I remember going to Rutgers. I played quarterback at Union. And I remember going to Rutgers quarterback. And like most college athletes, it's like you go to, you're a good you're a good high school athlete. Then you go to college, and everyone's a great college. Everyone's a great athlete. And then meeting someone like Mike McMahon, who played in the NFL for ten years, and then I'm like, I'll play tight end. And then we had L.J. Smith, who played in the NFL for six years. And I'm like, all right, let me play fullback. So it's a matter of finding where I fit into that world. But my my time was limited. But my experience, I mean, having the benefit of interacting with Coach Shea and his coaching staff, and then like Mario Cristobal, who I'm still in touch with, who is under Coach Shiano. I, I would say this, one of, one of the greatest human beings coaches I've ever played with. I was never going to see the field, yet he treated every player like they were one play away from being a star for the team. And that's something that carried with me so much when you have a coach who believes in you. So it's just it was a great experience, not only as, as an athlete, but as a person. And I feel like as a teacher now, I carry those same that same work ethic, that same passion, that same experience into the classroom. I don't, I don't yell at my students as much as our coaches did with us in college, but it's definitely that same work ethic and, and those skill sets. I think student athletes are so much, are so much better prepared for every situation in the real world uh, than people who may not have had that same experience. I mean, you talk about experiences and how important they are, and and, and for all of us, not just younger students that, that you teach now, but even uh, us as adults. You know, the experiences are what shape our lives, shape our, our, our perspective on things. Uh, these bowl games, a lot of these players get to go to destinations that they wouldn't uh, maybe have never been to before, maybe will never have the opportunity to go to again. So even though you, you weren't able to participate in a bowl game, I know you follow Rutgers. Uh, I know you've, you've probably been to some of their bowl games. What do you think bowl games mean to a football program and a university and the student athletes in particular? Well, it's, I've had the luxury of when I was a kid, my brother played at Iowa. So we, I went to the, we went to the Rose Bowl, we went to the Liberty Bowl. And it's, it's, again, it's such an amazing experience, not only just seeing how much my brother enjoyed it and, and how well they were treated and kind of the culmination. It's, it's definitely like, it's, it's an experience that I think every team, I hope every team eventually achieves one day because obviously bowls are very limited, but it does, like you said, it brings them to an environment they may have never experienced it. It provides them with resources and, and network that they may have never had before. So on top of the importance of the game, there's so many other exceptional things that come with any team who's lucky enough to, to get into a bowl and play a bowl game. And so it's just that interaction itself, I think is, is, is invaluable. Well, your, your alma mater is off to a three and O start. looks like coach Yano has them head in the right direction. So hopefully uh, you and I can, uh, hang out in person at their bowl game this year. We'll see, see where that uh, ends up being. I will definitely be at the Rutgers bowl game. Excellent. Well, we share a common interest in student athletes. Yours are high school students. Ours are at the college level. What's your stake on the relationship between athletics and academics? And what was your student athlete experience like? It's a, you, you had to juggle a lot, but as a result, you probably learned a lot. Yeah. I mean, I would say from sports, 
I'm friends with people in high school and college that I would have never been friends with because of different backgrounds or socioeconomic backgrounds. It's like I went to Baptist church in the South that I would have never been to if my college teammate didn't take me. And I think I think college sports and high school sports in particular prepares you so much for life, not only overcoming failure, but collaborative working with people who you may have never been friends with. It's it's almost I don't, I don't want to compare it to going to war or anything, but it's like you're sharing in this in this common goal. And I think that's such a great, great attribute to have later on. I mean, it's it's a real world experience. Like our school is extremely diverse where I teach. And I tell them like, that's not many schools are like that. I remember having teammates at Rutgers who never interacted with people from different backgrounds because their school was so isolated. But then they went to campus and then it's just a microcosm of the world. But I just feel like sports teaches you so many valuable lessons that, that carry far beyond. I feel like we're better prepared to interact with people who... Again, we may have different beliefs, different backgrounds, different religions, different, and yet you're you could somehow find that common ground, that commonality, which I think we need now more than ever. But I think sports are the best preparation for life and success later in life. Back in 2016, you were on the View. They mentioned a set of social experience you do experiments you do within the classroom to aid in your teaching. What is your goal with those, and, and take us through a few of them. So I, when I was in Rutgers, we had a, a culture studies course and they showed us an experiment from the 1970s. I think actually 1969, I think it was. Jane Elliott, this, this white teacher who had white students in Iowa, wanted to show her students what it was like to be discriminated against because the whole civil rights movement was obviously in, in the heart of everything. So she convinced her elementary school students that based on their eye color, certain students had different privileges and different rights. And I remember watching and thinking it was the most profound thing I've ever seen because obviously when you're not a part of a marginalized group, you don't know what it's like to be marginalized or discriminated against in any way. And I remember thinking, I'm like, when I become a teacher, I'm like, I want to find powerful, empathetic simulations that can teach students valuable life lessons about empathy and experience at the same time that are tied into history or culture or society. So I remember even the issue, like we obviously, the one experiment I think you're referring to is the women in Congress experiment. You know, as guys, it's like we're in the majority in most positions. You know, it's very tough for, for us to understand what it's like to be a woman in Congress where they make up, now they make up 23%. So I was curious to see how boys would react if they were in the minority. So I picked six football players, nicest kids in the world, and we had 18 female students. And I led them to believe they were voting on new school policies I wrote the policies to be very anti-boy. And then I want to see how the boys would react. Of course, the boys start flipping out throughout the whole process because it's so unfair, it's sexist, it's this or that. But it's but it's the complete opposite when you look at it in a congressional perspective. And I always feel like it's empathy is such an underrated uh, skill to have an emotion to have because it does allow you to at least understand it or try to understand from another person's perspective. So I continue to do them. The irony being... I do them every year, Nick, and all my students know I do them, but I still get them. Like I'm doing a dress code one next week where I'm going to convince them that our schools have an address code to, uh, for, for our history class. But it's like they're just they're fun, powerful ways I, that I get to put them in a position and think from a perspective they may have never thought from before. I've seen some of the videos. You're you're a very good actor when you pull that off, especially, <laughs> especially now trying to fool the kids that, that know you're probably going to do it at some point during the year. Well, it's definitely, I was an actor before a teacher, so I left a TV show to become a high school teacher. But I still, I put on six shows a day, Nick, to an audience that may not want to be here. And it's like, my job is now to convince them. Yeah, teaching is definitely performing. Yeah, no doubt about it. 
Well, you're developing a series to celebrate and honor teachers. Uh, what's it been like working with a production company and, and seeing your vision come alive on the screen? It's it it's amazing. I'm I'm a good teacher. I'm not the best teacher in my school in the state. All I meet are amazing educators, not only who who have inspired athletes, like Mike Burton, Super Bowl champ from the Chiefs, Kansas City. His third grade teacher was one of the most important people in his life. So we surprised her. So my goal with this series, which I'm working with the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers and the NEA, the National Education Association, is just to go around and celebrate educators. But obviously, everybody has a teacher who somewhat inspired them. And I hope everyone has more than one. So the goal is to meet with celebrities, athletes, artists, and share the stories about the teachers who inspired them, who kind of helped support them. So again, like I came, my parents were amazing, but I needed the support of my coaches and my teachers on top of parental support. So I, I am who I am because of the teachers I had. And I like to, I want to celebrate those stories. There's so many teachers in small towns who are so pivotal to the community, but they don't have my platform or another teacher's platform. So I just want to celebrate those stories and, and hopefully remind everyone that we need to support teachers and, and public schools are the center of the communities. There's no doubt about that. Well, here, final question for you. What's what piece of advice would you give to those just start starting out their teaching careers? Honestly, I would say I thought about quitting every week the, my first year because in your mind, you think teachings like Dead Poet Society and, and every it's like this romanticized view. It was one of the toughest experiences in my life because teaching is so much it's so much about relationships. It's not about what you know, it's about who you connect to. And if a first year teacher, I always, always say, don't take things personally. Meant students act in certain ways. It has nothing to do with you. Don't take it personally. Second is to get to know your students before you try to teach them. Because you don't, it's, and it's all of us. If you think someone doesn't care about you, you really don't care about their opinion or their insight. Once you make that connection, you value their opinion more, you'll be more open to it. So just make sure, know that some students will feel safe in your classroom and just know that that you're going to impact them, but just don't take it personally and make those connections. And it's to the student athletes, you know, we need more teachers. We need more teachers of color. We need more men in those roles. And it's like, it, especially so many former student athletes who want to become coaches and pursue that, it's such a great field and it's so gratifying and it's so rewarding and you could impact so many people's lives. Well, Nick, we appreciate your time. I. I tend to be uh, very inspired by people who are extraordinary, extraordinarily passionate about what they do, especially when what they do is is really meaningful and impactful to others. And I, I don't, I can't think of any other way to to describe you. You're you're a great guy. You do unbelievable work. There needs to be more people in this country like you, Nick. And I say that uh, uh, from the bottom of my heart. You're uh, really appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate you sharing our perspective, uh, your perspectives with us. And please keep keep doing what you're doing. Don't lose that passion. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. And again, like with this series, I'm going to share all those stories about teachers who are doing far more than I am. But thank you so much. Nick, where can where can our, our uh, listeners find that series? Where could they watch that? It'll be on. Uh, we just started. We're going to kind of launch October 5th, which is World Teachers Day. Again, it's never too early to thank a teacher in life, but it can be too late. So you don't have to wait for a teacher appreciation. So always reach out to your former teachers. But you'll find it on my platform, uh, Instagram. It's at Nicholas Ferroni, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-F-E-R-R-O-N-I. -E and then at Twitter, same thing, Nicholas Ferroni. And TikTok, Mr. Ferroni. I had to get a TikTok, Nick. My students made me get one. So oh, um, 
Yeah, I can't do any more social media platforms. That's it. I'm done. Are they gonna help? Are they gonna be your choreographer as well? Or are they? Yeah, they, they we record stuff. They're good. They teach me how to use it. They teach me about social media and, nice. and things like that. Education goes both ways. It sure. def definitely does. Well, thanks again, Nick. Really appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Nick. The forecast for this tax season? It's going to rain refunds. Lots of refunds. File for less and get more with TaxAct, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. Our next guests currently play offensive line for Virginia Tech, a redshirt junior from Lugoff, South Carolina, and a redshirt sophomore from Shelby, North Carolina, both looking to get the Hokies back to bowl games this season. Please welcome to the show, Parker Clements and Jack Hollyfield. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to start off by talking about one of the more interesting NIL deals in the country. Uh, offensive linemen are known for the amount of food they like to eat. I think it's only appropriate that uh, the Virginia Tech offensive linemen have an NIL deal with Mission Barbecue. Uh, I've been to Mission Barbecues. I, I love it. Uh, they, I, I, you tell me if I'm wrong, they, uh, an O-line dinner once a week. Tell us about that experience, how it came about and, and what does it do, do for you guys as a unit to bring you guys together in that environment every week? Either one. Yeah. Of you. So, uh, they kind of started, I'd say what, uh, two years ago. Yeah. My first yeah, year. Yeah. Two years ago. So I don't know, some older guys at the time had gotten it started and, uh, we've kind of just kept it going, uh since NIL kind of came into, into the picture with college football and stuff and college athletics. So uh, it's been good. They take care of us all the time. They, uh, they make sure we're, we're well-fed for sure. So it's a, it's a good deal. You think they knew what they were getting themselves into with the amount of food you guys eat? Uh, it's, sometimes it's too much food. They bring so much food out there. It's like we have to take the-go boxes home. It's, it's so much food. <laughs> yeah. I'm a sucker for that sausage that they have, the cheese and the jalapeno in there. Oh, they! So I'm not a big fan of that, but some people, they, all the I'm love that. So I'll put that down for sure. <laughs> so this year you guys started off strong. You won your home opener against Old Dominion, lost a, a couple of tough uh, non-conference games uh, against Big Ten teams, looking to get back on track this Saturday uh, uh, against Marshall. What's the team's mentality to get back to the win column this week? Definitely just go one and zero. I mean, we got to execute better for sure. Um, and like I said, just go one and zero this weekend. Get us back on that winning streak. Get that get get that feeling off our chest and out of our minds. You know, uh, you want to get away from that for sure. Uh, so just to go one and zero and keep the train moving. You know, we got uh, Huntington at Marshall this weekend and Pitt the next weekend first ACC game. So if we can go into that game one and zero. It'll be real good for us and momentum swing. So. Yeah, and I'd say, like, a, another mindset we have, especially coming off these past two games, is definitely start faster. I think that's one thing we really need to do. We started slow the past two games. And I think if we get something going early in the game, I think we'll have a, a good plan the rest of the game against Marshall. Yeah, that'll that'll conclude your non-conference schedule. Obviously, if you can get to 2-2 two and two in the non-conference and begin ACC play against Pitt the following week, you guys will be heading in the right direction. Parker, let me ask you, you started in the 2021 Pinstripe Bowl. Um, although the game didn't result in a win, um, what did that experience mean to you going to New York city that time of year? I don't know if you'd ever been there before. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of guys who play in that game have say that they've never been there before. Some may never have the opportunity to go back. What was that like? Yeah, it was cool. It was actually, like you said, it was my first time, uh, ever, ever going there. So that was cool. Especially, uh, to go on Christmas day like that. I know it kind of 
there was a negative side of leaving my family that morning, but getting there and being there Christmas evening was actually pretty a pretty cool experience. And uh, seeing all sightseeing Times Square and uh, Rockefeller Tree, it was, it was really cool. So uh, yeah, it was a like I said, it didn't didn't end up the way we wanted it to, but the experience was good and it's something I'll remember for sure the rest of my life. Now, Jack, you're only a sophomore. I, I don't think you experienced that that game. What would it mean to you to hit the six win mark and, and get to play in a bowl game with your team? Actually, I did. I, so I'm a retro sophomore, so I did get to play in that at Pinstripe Bowl. I, I mean, I just I was funny wrong. story. Funny story. I was I was a tight end when I came here. So I, that season, I com, uh, converted to O line. So I, I I didn't look like an O lineman at that point, but I was still just getting the hang of college football and everything. So I mean. I, I did go, but it was like I'd I'd love to go to a bowl game this year and actually get to play and and do stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, we would love to give you this shirt. I don't know if you guys remember from two years ago. You know, it's a, it's our bowl bound shirt. It's a tradition we yes. start. Uh, you know that our our logo at the top there. This is an example. Will be will be your logo. This will be your school colors, and you'll get in the locker room after your sixth win. So I, I can't wait to uh, for you guys to put that shirt on, knowing you're going to a bowl game. Um, oh, yeah. Love to hear from both of you on this one. Uh, Hokies were on a 28-year bowl streak that ended last season. Okay, um, Nobody wants to be a part of the, 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 the team that ends a streak like that, but you guys are in a great position to maybe be a, 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 on a team that starts the new streak. We were talking on uh, off-air how cool would it be if you guys to tell your kids that 20 years down the road, hey, we were the first team to start that current streak. Tell us about that. What would it mean? to you guys and this team to, to kick off a new street and have that lasting legacy in, in Blacksburg. Yeah, yeah. it would mean the world for sure. And uh, like I said, you hate to see it come to an end. I mean, we had new staff coming in, kind of a rebuild, uh, if you will. But uh, like to get that back on track and to be, like you said, the, the ones that you could say you started it would be awesome. I mean, I know we're building something special in Coach Pride and the staff's done a great job and we know we're heading in the right direction, so. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with Park. Like, just getting the program back to like it was with the Vic era, Tyrod Taylor, and all that. I think to be the ones to start that, I think that'd be a really cool thing to do. To be the one to to kick that off. So yeah. Yeah. Now, another question for both of you. Um, you know, we're in this playoff era, right? We're going from four teams to twelve teams. That gets so much attention, right? Um, you guys kick off every season. So do the other 130 FBS programs saying, "Hey, I want to be in that playoff." it's only going to happen for 12 teams, right? So there are 36 other bowl games that are really meaningful to programs across the country. Sometimes the media might downplay those, but with only 12 opportunities, that's clearly not enough to reward all the programs, all the student athletes who are all doing the same thing, all sacrificing the same things um, to, to have that postseason experience. So from a player's perspective, how important how important are, are all bowl games to postseason college football? Uh, Jack, uh, Jack, why don't we start with you? I'd like to hear from both of you on this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's – I think all bowls are important no matter how big or small they are because, I mean, it gives, gives you an extra opportunity to, to bond with your teammates. I mean, you get a whole extra month sometimes to just go out there and practice. And it's not like for the seniors, you get those last little moments of the things you love to do, like go out there and practice with your brothers and stuff like that. So I think every bowl game gives you that experience, and I think that's the awesome part about it. Yeah, no doubt. Like like Jack said, uh, for the seniors too, that's one of the biggest things I think about is uh, them getting to continue, uh, not have their season get cut short, or if you will, when you can go another month practicing with you guys and uh, 
and bonding for sure. Um, so and that was a tough part about last season, uh, not being able to go to a bowl and kind of the tragedy that UVA went through and us having our season cut short. Uh, it was hard, and I I felt for those seniors big time. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with Jag. Every bowl game would be a blessing. So Yeah, people don't think of that very often. You know, you people focus on the opt-outs and guys going to the NFL. Most most college football players don't play in the NFL, right? So you think about those seniors. You think about the, the game you've played since you were a little kid that you love. And to have one more opportunity to do it with all your friends on, on, a, on a vacation type of environment. Um, you know, I guarantee you when you guys, when you guys are 40 years old, you will say, I would do anything to play one more football game. I can't imagine anybody says, boy, I wish I, I wish I skipped the bowl game. You know, I'm glad I didn't, I, I'm glad I didn't play in that. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, our coaches say it all the time. They like, they wish they could suit up one more time once they were back in our position. So, I mean, that's – I try to not take it lightly that I'm I'm doing this right now. So, I try to make every moment last. So. Yeah, you're smart. Cherish every moment. goes by fast. Trust tr trust me. Trust your coaches. Last question for you. Virginia Tech is known for one of the most unique and electric player entrances at the beginning of every, every home game, the Enter Sandman. It looks cool on TV, but I can only imagine as a player – running out onto that field. Explain to our listeners uh, what that's like from a player's perspective, running out on the field in that environment. Yeah, it, it is unreal. And it's kind of uh, unimaginable unless you experience it for sure. It's definitely, uh, I, I tell this to people all the time, it's the most alive I have ever felt. And it's probably the most alive I ever will feel is running out of that tunnel on Saturdays for sure. It's, a, it's an unreal feeling. Jack, when they were recruiting, yeah. they, did they have you run out of the tunnel behind the team? Or are they allowed to do that? No, nah, I think you got to stand on the sidelines <laughs> to watch it. So, but it's it's low for a player for me at least. It's kind of trippy. Like when you're in the tunnel, you can't really hear a lot unless you're at the front. But if you're like in the middle of the pack, it's like it's hard to hear because it's so you're so stuffed in there. And then right when you run out, it's like this burst of like energy. It's like it's it's actually insane. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, when you're in the tunnel, I agree with Jack. You can't really hear much, but you can feel vibrations from the yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, you can't really hear the music very well, but the, I mean, you can tell they're jumping for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Well, guys, I, I know you're busy. You guys have classes. You're preparing for a game this week. I really appreciate you joining us. Good luck to the Hokies the rest of the season. I'm really looking forward uh, to you guys putting on your your bowl bound shirts uh, sometime later in the in the year. Good luck to you. For Thank sure. you, sir. Thank appreciate you. you having us. Well, that'll do it for this week's podcast. Today's guests were brought to you by Tappet. Understand how going cashless builds loyalty, engages fans, and boosts your bottom line. If you missed any of our past episodes, you can catch them on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's show, we'd appreciate you to like, subscribe, and drop a five-star rating. And as always, you can follow all the bowl season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at bowlseason. Thanks for listening.